series. And we're going to spend the next three weeks looking at some of the themes, thank you, Connor, that are found in 1 Peter. Um, always a fan of alliteration. We're going to do hope, holiness, and hospitality. Um, so this morning, we're going to look at this theme of hope that runs through 1 Peter. And we've got a number of verses um, that we're going to bend into, but I'll just I'll read the first one to you um, to kick us off this morning, and then we'll pray. Wonderful. So it's 1 Peter 1 3, and that's page 1151 in the Green Bibles. And then we'll jump into some other verses as we go through. So page 1151. 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that there is no other name in heaven and in earth, Lord Jesus Christ, in which hope and truth and fulfilment and salvation and glory is found. And so we look to you this morning. By the power of your Holy Spirit, will you open the scriptures to us afresh? And would you open our hearts and minds to receive all that you have for us? Amen. Amen. Um, a number of years ago, um, I um, took part in what was called a Muslim Christian school. And there were um, sort of five of us as young Christian leaders and then five um, young Muslim leaders. And we, we got together for a few days to try and um, understand where each other were coming from and each other's faith. And I particularly made friends with a girl called um, Shanaz. Um, I hadn't actually realised that um, in Islam they do also have female imams who work with, um, with the women and she was training to do that. And I remember talking to her one day and I'd just been wondering, you know, well, what is it like to be a Muslim with no sort of deathbed certainty, no certainty of eternity, of heaven, of paradise as, as they um, conceive of it. And I said to her, you know, how, how do you live your faith daily? And she said to me, every day we're taught to live a tightrope between hope and fear. Hope and fear. The hope that our deeds of that day are enough to get us into eternal life. And the fear that they're not. And I remember thinking, gosh, that is like one of the worst things I've ever heard. Um, and actually it's sent me to sort of bend again and again into our Christian hope. But actually our Christian hope is utterly, utterly different, isn't it? completely, completely certain in the person of Jesus Christ, in the God who acts in human history. And that's what 1 Peter, that's what the New Testament is getting at. It's getting at our certain and eternal hope. And that's what we're going to dig into this morning. Hope. And so um, here at St. Dee's, um, in my own thinking, and some of Tim's thinking, we, we like to present the story of scripture as a story of uh, three trees. And so we have the first tree, which would be way over there, uh, which is the tree of creation, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that we read about in Genesis 1 and 2. And then, of course, we have the tree of the cross, which is the central point of sort of human earthly history right now. The person of Jesus Christ who died and rose again on the cross and made a perfect way to the Father. And then finally, all the scripture is pointing to our third tree, which is the tree of the new creation that speaks about in Revelation. That scripture up there, the breed is speaking about this tree 
that is yet to come, that will be at the heart of the garden city that is the new creation. And we find ourselves now as Christians in this tension between these two trees, the tree of the cross and the tree of the new creation. And scripture goes even deeper into these trees than perhaps we've spoken about before. And it speaks of each of these trees as an anchor. This is really dodgy for the Bible, no doubt, in expressing caravan. But anyway, and it speaks of the cross as an anchor for our souls. But it equally speaks of this tree of the new creation, the tree of eternity, of heaven and abundance to come. This is going on. And as an anchor. And it tells us that we live between these two anchors, these two trees. The writer of the Hebrews and puts it like this in Hebrews 6, verse 19 to 20. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul and Firm and secure, enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. And what that writer of the Hebrews is getting into there, he's saying that actually on the cross, what happened was that Jesus made a perfect way to the Father and, and in some Old Testament theology and practice, there was a curtain between the people of God, an actual physical curtain in the temple, and the cross went through, and you can read about it in Matthew, the curtain flew open, and it was the Lord saying, actually, everybody is welcome into the life of Christ, into being a Christian through the name of Jesus. But this cross has anchored us firm and secure. But there's this further anchor to come, this anchor of the new creation, where everything will be set right, and we're almost going to go back to that kind of tree one thing of Eden. Eden's going to be restored, but actually it's going to be a garden sitting, not just a garden. That's what Scripture's getting at. Trees of faith is full of hope. And it's not some sort of peripheral idea that we have to work out or anything like that. It's a God who breaks into human history with a firm and perfect and absolute hope through the cross fulfilled in the new creation. And so then we look at 1 Peter. And 1 Peter specifically speaks of hope five times. So 1 Peter 1, 3 is looking at the cross. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. This hope is alive. We've been born into it through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection is a point in human history which affirms and confirms our hope as an absolute reality. Tree 2. And then 1 Peter 1, 13, if you go down a few verses. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Set your hope on tree free. Look to eternity. Set your hope on the things to come. Look at both these realities. Know that you're in the in-between times. Um, 1 Peter 1, 21 jumps into the resurrection again. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. We know this is true because Jesus rose from the dead. And then if you move into 1 Peter 3, verse 5, 1 Peter 3, verse 5, it talks about the kind of fellowship of hope, that we don't do this on our own. We do this with all the company of heaven that's gone before us. So for in this way, the holy women of the past who put their hope in God, 
used to adorn themselves. Actually, we're doing this in the fellowship of others. And then finally, finally, in 1 Peter 3, 15, 1 Peter 3, 15, he speaks of the meaning of this hope for us right now, that this hope is fuel for us to get really evangelistic. So 1 Peter 3, 15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Actually, we need to understand this thing and we need to know about this hope so that we can tell others of it, so that we're evangelistic. So why? Why do we need to wrestle this out? Why do we need to understand these things? Well, first of all, it's so that we know who we are. Second of all, it's so that we know where we are. And third of all, it's so that we can give that hope to others so that we can speak to it. Actually, we are called to be disciples, people who are cutting edge on this earth, people who are so aware of what is to come and what has already been done that we can present the good news to the world outside. And there's a chap from Mike Ravacci, and um, he started a youth ministry called Soul Survivor. And he, he just said this, Without a vision of eternity, we lose our cutting edge on earth. Without a vision of eternity, we lose our cutting edge on earth. And what he's getting at there is this tree free. Actually, we need to get a vision of eternity if we're going to be dynamic, cutting-edge people, if we're going to be really, really present. Because being heavenly-minded, being sort of tree-free-minded, isn't about us being so, like, ethereal, we're just floating around in, like, kind of cloud cuckoo land in our heads. Actually, it's all about being radically present on earth, living our lives well. Because the culture right now is really, really good at the immediate. We can feel it. We're really, we want everything in the immediate right now, instantaneous, eyes fixed, down, 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 everything that's going on in the physical right now. And actually, scripture, one Peter, Mike could have actually here. They're saying, no, 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 no. Be really aware of that, but you need to be aware of that too. That's how you're cutting edge on earth. Lift up your eyes, look at the things to come alongside all that has been. So in this first tree, we were anchored. Our salvation is completely secure in the person of Jesus Christ. As we come, as we did earlier through communion, and commit ourselves again and again to him, as we repent, as we receive his grace, everything goes through the cross. The Father sees us through Jesus. He sees us spotless and clean. Nothing is too big for the cross. And so here we're anchored. But there's a further anchor to come. And as we find ourselves in the interim period, the period that is living and active, that living hope, living hope that 1 Peter speaks about, as we find our, ourselves here. And so what happened in the cross was absolute salvation and resurrection that us called in. But we're called in for a reason. And what's happened in this interim period is that we're given power and authority. We're equipped by the Holy Spirit. We stare into scripture. And what does it say to us? 
Actually, the end of the Gospels, the book of Acts, it gives us this mandate to be God's hands and feet on this earth. It says that the Holy Spirit has been poured into the hearts of every believer, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, that as we live between these trees, he has bestowed such dignity on us, he has included us, he has decided to use us, that we're called to bring these new creation realities into the present, that we're called to fight for justice, for, um, for mercy, for goodness, for grace, that actually he's given us power and authority. The things in scripture that speak of you know, casting out demons, raising the dead, of people being healed, they're real and true and they're for us right now. Because that's where we find ourselves. That's what's going on in this anchor. That's what's going on between the trees. And scripture, 1 Peter, tells us who we are. There's this thread of adventure that runs through scripture. And it speaks of us as, um, as foreigners, of exiles, of aliens. And that's not in a negative way. It's in a way of saying, actually, you've become this distinct people. You're now this person who knows this stuff. And so you're almost a bit of an exile, a bit of a foreigner in this world. You're a border dweller. We've been using this word, border dwellers, that we live on the precipice of, of earth and heaven. We're aware of spiritual realities. And so 1 Peter 1, 17, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in Reverend and then he goes on, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your souls. We're different, we're different. Now that we've got hold of tree two, now that we know the person of Jesus Christ, we live differently. We're border dwellers, we're foreigners, we're exiles, but we do all of that in an amazingly positive way as we get hold of earthly realities and bring them into the present. The new creation is here. Jesus Christ, in his person and his work, inaugurated this, this amazing new epoch of human history. The kingdom of God broke in. The kingdom of God is now. But the kingdom of God is also yet to come. We see the reality of who God is. But we know, we can feel it, can't we? We can feel it in ourselves. We can feel it as we look at the world around us that there's something, there's something more to come. But we're his hands and feet. We've got these kingdom realities. We've got power. He's bestowed dignity on us. He's bestowed his glory on us. And he wants to use us. So there's all the stuff of the kingdom now. Of our relationship with God. But the fact that he's a God who answers prayer, he's a God who we pray to, he's a God who is active in human history. But there's also the tension of the not yet, the fact that this tree is still to come and everything hasn't been put exactly right. And the maturity of being a border dweller, of being a Christian, is being able to hold these two tensions, the tension of the now, Yes, God, I believe in everything that is in Scripture. And I'm going to press into the things of you and the things of the kingdom. But I also know that you're yet to return and yet to restore all things. And so I'm going to live in the tension of the now and the not yet. And it's in that tension of the now and not yet that we, um, we understand suffering. And Matt Thomas spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. 
And all of our culture wants to inoculate us against suffering, doesn't it? We're, we're trying to wrap ourselves in bubble wrap and make everything okay all the time. It's not reality, is it? We know that everything's not okay. And we know that we can't stop suffering. But we can understand it. We can understand who we are, border dwellers, people of the King, Christians. And we can understand where we are now, between the trees. And we can talk about eternity. And in talking about eternity, we can get everything into perspective. Um, as I've sat with friends over the years who've um, sort of been going through the most difficult uh, times of um, suffering, especially you know, in terms of death and things like that, um, the thing that's said to me again and again is, why doesn't the church talk about eternity more? Why doesn't the church talk about eternity more? I can't understand this unless I understand eternity. We need to talk more about heaven. We need to talk more about where we are in terms of human history because if we don't, we're going to misunderstand everything around us. And we're going to misunderstand who God is. So we turn our eyes to tree free, to this further anchor for our soul. And we begin to understand everything in the light of eternity. And when a devil might tempt us when things are hard to think either God isn't good, or God's holding out on me, or God's not in charge, we suddenly put all of that in the light of eternity. And we know that there is nothing in scripture that says everything's going to be okay this side of heaven. Actually, scripture tells us that God works in human history and he's worked in this dramatically full way through the person of Jesus Christ. And he's asked us to come to him in prayer and petition. He cares about us when stuff is hard. And when we're weeping and we're in sorrow and we're crying out to him, he is right there with us. But the fullness of who God is, the day when everything's going to be set right, that is still to come. That is a beautiful and glorious truth that he is coming back and he's going to set all things right. And we understand everything in light of that. And so future hope, eternity, anchor, tree free. What the heck is it? Um, Revelation just puts it like this. Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. It's going to set everything right. This that we're in now is a period where he is present, but it's not how it's always going to be. It's going to set all things right. Or um, in the words of C.S. Lewis, um, if you've ever read um, The Last Battle or haven't read it, do read The Last Battle, even if you just read um, the last chapter of that Narnia um, series. Um, and C.S. Lewis there just presents this beautiful vision of the new creation, of tree free, the anchor of the things to come. And he's talking about the children. They've been, they've been caught up now in tree free. They've moved from earth into eternity. And it says this, all their life in this world, and all their adventures in Narnia had only ever been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in, in which every chapter is better than the one before. It's going to be set right. 
it's going to be set right and we see everything of our human lives in the light of this. And heaven isn't going to be some sort of like ethereal plane where we'll sit around on clouds with, I don't know, cherubims and harps and things like that, actually. This scripture presents a garden city. Revelation, Ezekiel, it tells us that the Lord is going to come down in a trumpet sound and Jesus Christ is going to be at the right hand of the Father and everything's going to be set right and he's going to judge the living and the dead and there's going to be a great city. I kind of think of it like Gondor in Lord of the Rings or something. And it's going to be a garden city and we're going to be with him forever. And there will be no more mourning or death or tears for the old order of things has passed away. And actually, all the stuff that's been going on here in our lives in this interim period, it's not going to be kind of annihilated. Actually, it's going to be redeemed. Something of our lives here is going to be part of this tree free. In 1 Peter um, 4.13, it talks about participating in Christ's sufferings, which is quite an odd thing to get your head around. New Testament often, Paul often speaks of participating in Christ's sufferings. And I think that what that is getting at is getting at the hard stuff in our lives here. And that somehow the struggle and all that we go through, the joys and the highs in this interim period, are going to be part of this new creation reality. And they're going to make it even more glorious. It's part of the great mystery of faith that we can't quite wrap our heads around. And Tim Keller puts it like this. The doctrines of the cross, resurrection and eternity can instill us with a powerful hope. They promise that we will get the life we most long for, the things that we're crying out for, but it will be an infinitely more glorious world than if there had never been the need for bravery, endurance, sacrifice, or salvation. That's what's going on over there. That's what's going on here. So all of that said, um, what on earth does that mean right now in a slightly dusty church in Parsons Green? Um, we're called to step into this adventure. We're called to know who we are, where we are, and who God is, and use all of that to galvanise us for a mission in this world, to get that vision of eternity to make us cutting-edge people. Um, and scripture, Paul gives us a really good way of thinking about this. He talks in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 about having dual sight. So we've all got our physical eyes, oh, sorry, we've all got our physical eyes, haven't we? And we can see everything around us, you know, going to Waitrose or something like that. And Paul says, get hold of these physical eyes that the Lord has given and blessed us with. And be really, really aware of everything that's going on in the life that the Lord has given you, the things around you, the stuff at home, the stuff on the tube, the stuff at work. Be, be so present physically. But also, we've got a second set of eyes, our spiritual eyes. He talks of the eyes of our heart. And what we do is we get hold of our spiritual eyes, and spiritual eyes look to eternity. They look to spiritual realities right now. And so we see everything in the light of eternity. We step back into the situations, the joys, the highs of our lives, the lows, and we say, okay, what's going on in the light of eternity? What are my physical eyes showing me? What are my spiritual eyes showing me? Um, I like to think of it in terms of, um, if you've watched Notting Hill, there's that bit where um, Hugh Grant can't find his glasses, and he's like, shh, you know, he's trying to find his glasses and stuff. Um, when he gets to the cinema, and he ends up with his um, swimming goggles, if you remember, it's a thing in cinema, most swimming goggles are ridiculous. Um, but suddenly he can see properly. Suddenly he can see properly. 
you know, when I take these off, I can see a bit, but not loads. I put these on, and suddenly I can see properly. She does the eyes on the heart, in a way. So we have two sets of eyes, our physical eyes and our spiritual eyes. That's what it means to be a Christian. And we just, we dwell in God. We water our God life. You know, we get to grips with his word. We sit with his spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, reveal more of who God is to you, me. We do this together. We know that everything's part of a bigger story. When the situations of our lives, when the rubber hits the road, when the stuff just happens, because it does, because we're human beings in the fractured of fallen world, will be one that the Lord is working in. And um, step back, you know, you take a deep breath and you go, okay, what's actually going on here? What's actually going on here? What are my spiritual eyes telling me alongside my physical eyes? And we do it together. You know, scripture knows nothing of solo religion. Scripture says we do it together. So we seek out each other, we talk to each other, we pray with each other, work out what is going on. Call to believe in who we are in Christ. The point of this is that we were called in. And we are all, all. Something glorious in Christ. And again, this kind of self-deprecation and, and insecurity, it can be a bit of a scourge of our age. It's not that we're called to be arrogant or anything like that, but our playing small does nothing to help the world around us. Actually believe who you are in Jesus Christ. The Bible bestows such dignity over us, over you. It says you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God, called from darkness into his glorious light to um, declare his praises. We're lifted up by him. Jump into the adventure. Um, Tim always says, don't try harder, train harder. Don't try harder, train harder. So let's do this stuff. Let's be this border dweller people. Let's take scripture and the promises of God seriously. You know, what does scripture tell us? It actually says the only thing that is coming into eternity with us, the only thing that's coming into eternity is other people. Not a house or a car, all of that. And those aren't bad things, don't get me wrong. Um, but the only thing that's coming is other people. And so we're called to just minister with other people. We're called to get our spiritual muscles working. That's what's going on in 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And so we act for justice on this earth. We act for mercy, we act for the truth of the gospel. We go into our workplaces, our home places, and we just we pray and we say, okay, Lord, here I am today, it's Wednesday afternoon, what do you want me to do? We live our, gold, our God life, our golden life. Um, and guys, we can live with a boldness. Um, we are just at the New Wine Conference as a staff team um, on Monday and Tuesday, and they were really exhorting us to live with boldness. We find ourselves in a funny point in human history between the trees. Um, don't we? We can feel the nation shaking a bit, and we're all like, what the heck is going on? And people, they're, they're desperate for answers. What an opportunity to tell them about Jesus Christ. But let's just, just do this stuff. Say, actually, guys, I can feel it with my friends. Those are my friends are civil servants, and they don't know Jesus, and they're so scared at the moment. Every flipping dinner we have, all we talk about is Brexit, and nobody knows the answer. But 
actually, I've got to not get caught up in that and just go, you know what? I've got an anchor. There is an anchor, a hope that is certain for our souls. And it's okay that it's not okay this side of eternity. Because Jesus Christ loves you and knows you and wants you to be in relationship with him. And that's the certainty and that's the importance. And actually, there's something more to come and it's all going to be okay. Yeah, Brexit isn't going to floor the world. It's going to be okay. And so we act with boldness. And then we relax. And we relax into the tension of the now and the not yet. Knowing that we're called to pray and to act and to minister. So to pray for each other for healing. Be that physical or emotional. To tell people about Jesus. To ask the Lord. Is it right to take that job or is it right to move to that place? You know, to have that eternal conversation with him. But also to relax into the tension of the not yet. That in some ways, as painful as it is, it's okay when it's not okay. Because one day it's going to be all right. Heaven's coming here. So, we're called... We're equipped with these border dwellers living between heaven and earth. We've got power, we've got authority. Fix our eyes on eternity whilst knowing the truth of the cross and that anchor point. We know that the kingdom's broken in, the kingdom's still to come. And we know that he's chosen to use each and every one of us. And it's an exciting adventure, a glorious one. And there's no accident that we're in this room this morning. He just wants to speak to us. Um, so that's what we're going to do now. I'd love us to, to pray for two things. Um, love us to stand and just ask the Holy Spirit to show us more of this. Eternity is a mystery, but God can reveal some of this truth to you. But love us also, um, if anyone's just come this morning, um, you know, it could be a small thing like a broken toe, it could be a big thing. If you know that you need physical healing somewhere, it's a God who heals his broken in. love to pray for you this morning. We're going to do those two things, if that's okay. So can I invite you to stand? And first of all, we're just going to wait on him and allow him to show us more.